Well, pastor said he went over this morning, and so I have to make it up. And then we got a communion service. So I'm going to do my best, all right? I'm going to do my best. I do not want to keep you long. And uh, I also know that if it's warmer in here, you're going to want to fall asleep. So uh, we're going to try and not let that happen, okay? I'll try to not be too boring, and uh, you try not to fall asleep, and maybe we'll meet in the middle and be okay, all right? Acts chapter 1, if you would. Acts chapter 1, probably very familiar to most of you. And uh, as Pastor mentioned this morning, with the missions conference coming up next week, he and I... Both were thinking about missions and going that direction with our thoughts and with uh, really what we thought we'd be preaching today. And I looked at him this morning and I said, I just hope you don't preach my message for tonight. And uh, did not want an overlap. And we didn't. So praise the Lord. Uh, some little, you know, moments. But uh, overall, I think, uh, I think I was in the clear for the day. So that was, that was good. I didn't have to write a whole different message for tonight. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse number 1, of course. The former treatise, Have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach? Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, uh, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When, there, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put into his power, into his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And so uh, here's Luke, and Luke is writing. It's his second treatise. He wrote the first one there, the book of Luke, the gospel. Uh, and now here he's writing in Acts, and uh, he's opening up. And, of course, we understand that Jesus Christ, resurrected from the dead, uh, goes ahead and he, uh, he goes, and he's got 40 days. Uh, he spends 40 days with his disciples. Uh, he spends 40 days doing a few things. And what we see here in verse 2 and 3 uh, he gives them commandments, he gives them commandments, and then he also, in verse number three, uh, not only does he show them many infallible proofs, but he also uh, gives them, he's speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Uh, now, of course, we know the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of heaven. I won't get into a whole lot of doctrine there, but uh, they're different. Uh, if, if you don't know the difference, you should check, all right, and go ahead and read about both of them. They don't match. Uh, they're not the same thing. Uh, the kingdom of God, though, is the kingdom that you and I entered into the day we trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Uh, it's a spiritual kingdom. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Uh, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
Uh, you can tell that's different than the kingdom of heaven because men fight to obtain the kingdom of heaven. Uh, you don't have to fight to obtain anything. You trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you got it. Uh, and so those are two different things. Uh, but the Lord is commanding and He is also giving them the things that pertain to the kingdom of God. And He's got 40 days ultimately to convey everything He needs to convey to His disciples to do what He needs them to do to continue what He just laid the foundation for, right? Uh, Jesus Christ has laid the foundation. He's done all the work. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's laid the foundation, and He's going to give you a chance to build. And He gives these 12 guys, He's given them, well, the 11 uh, guys, He's given them the answer to exactly what He needs done, and He's explaining what has to happen. Now, there's many infallible proofs of His resurrection. He does that on purpose. Uh, but then he starts telling them what he needs done. Now, amazingly enough, we don't get a whole lot of scripture on that, do we? Uh, we you don't get a 40-day account right here in Acts. Uh, all four of the Gospels, they end, he resurrects, and not very long after that, usually in the last chapter is when he's resurrected. Very rarely is there more. Uh, John has one more chapter after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Matthew really doesn't. Matthew 28, Mark chapter 16, Luke 24. Those are all the resurrection chapters. There isn't another chapter in those books. And so all you have is this little piece of Acts in the very end of every gospel. And those are the 40 days of God conveying what he needs the disciples to know. And so I'm going to preach tonight on what I would call Jesus' final message. The last one he's physically preaching to his disciples. This is the last things, last orders, last bit that he wants to give them. And it's very intriguing what he wants them to know. So let's have a word of prayer. And we'll, we'll look at the Lord's final message to his disciples here. Father, I thank you for the night. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, and your care of us. Lord, we thank you that we can come and we can meet freely tonight. And we can not only open the scriptures and sing praises to our God, but we can also even have a communion service at the end and, Father, not have anybody coming in to try and stop us from doing such things. Lord, we love you and we pray you'd help us to see maybe some things that we just need to be reminded of tonight and maybe some things that maybe we need to get right in our own hearts and in our own minds and in our own lives. And, Father, maybe uh, it won't be anything to do really with the message, but maybe somebody might need to get something taken care of tonight. I pray they would. I pray that the Holy Ghost would have free course and free reign and that you would have all the praise, honor, and glory. Give us, our, give us wisdom tonight. We need it so richly. We pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus here, he, right, he's got 40 days. And what does he convey? Well, he's going to give them commandment and he's going to give them uh, the things that pertain to the kingdom of God. Ultimately, he does it uh, in letting them know in verse number 8. He tells them this, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Uh, you realize that uh, the, first, the first thing that really is about this message is that there's a terrestrial witness. There's a worldwide witness. On the face of this globe, his look is, guess what, guys? I'm putting in your hands the gospel that I have preached, the gospel that I have finished, the gospel I have accomplished for a world, I am now handing that to you. That is the vital part of what he is giving them. The things that pertain to the kingdom of God, well, what is that? How do I get it? <laughs> 
I get it by the gospel. I get it by what pastor was talking about this morning, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the price and the redemption that was paid at Calvary so that you and I could have eternal life. He looks at them and he says, guess what? I need you guys to be my witnesses. I need you to tell everybody what you've seen and what you've heard and what you've experienced. That's a witness, isn't it? The witness's job in a court trial is to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. He looks at the disciples. You want to know why he gives them many infallible proofs of his resurrection? So that when they stand in front of anybody else, they can say, yeah, he rose. And it's not a question in their mind. It's infallible proofs. And then he says, hey, you know what I need you to do? I need you to go and tell everybody about what I've done for them. How many times, I, I don't have a number, but you think just for a moment, how many times in the Gospels does Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all contain the same thing, the same idea and convey it? To get all four is usually a rarity. You don't get all four. Go back to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28. Right after the resurrection, the ascension, he's got 40 days to convey it. We already talked about this. The end of all the Gospels contains a little bit of that time. And the beginning of the book of Acts, and that's it. Well, notice what shows up at the end of Matthew. You know what it is. Verse number 18 of Matthew chapter 28, right? And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach, there they are, all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Well, there he is. Look over at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. You know the spot, verse number 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, there's the whole world. Well, look over at Luke 24. You say it can't be in all the gospels. Luke 24. Look at verse 46. Luke 24, 46. And, he, and said unto them, Thus it is written... And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all, all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. Well, I mean, that's three. Okay, John chapter 20. John chapter 20, look at verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Jesus sent them. Jesus is sending you. There is a worldwide mission to give the gospel to every creature. He took 40 days, and you know what he tried to convey? 
five different books, four different authors, you know what they all say? He commissioned you to go into a world. To all nations, to be sent out, to go and to do. He's got 40 days. What did he convey over and over again? You've got something to tell everybody. You're my witnesses. You're the ones. I have an entire world that I want to see. I have an entire world that needs to hear about what has been done. I have an entire world that needs to get a message that they're not going to get if you guys aren't the ones who do it. Now he's looking at the 11. He's looking at those 11 men and he's telling them, hey, you're my witnesses. But you and I both know it didn't stop with the 11. That the goal was that they would reach an entire world. And so it got passed to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And now after all those generations get passed over, here we are. And 2,000 years later almost, we're still sitting here and you know what we're doing? If we're doing what we're supposed to, you know what we're supposed to be doing? We're still supposed to be trying to win an entire world. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus Christ goes ahead and commands that all nations, that His name would be preached in all nations. That they could get the remission of sin, that they could get redemption, that they could get their sins forgiven forever, and that those things could be taken care of, and that we would be able to see a world understand that they could have salvation. Now notice, their job wasn't to win the world, but their job was to preach to the world. Now, I don't know about you, I drive a little bit. Uh, I've, been, I've been quite a few places now. I haven't gone all over the world. Some of you were in the military, you were overseas, you went different. You haven't been all over the world. You haven't gotten to every country yet. You haven't reached to the uttermost part personally. We're talking about Brother Fitzgerald and having him come, wanted to have him come. He obviously could not. He's in Mongolia. Situation that he has does not allow him to be able to come over. And so we're going to watch a video from him. I'm very impressed by him. Say, why would you want to put him forward as an idea of somebody we could support when he can't be here? And the answer is because we want to reach the uttermost parts of the earth. I don't have a missionary in Mongolia out of our church. In fact, I personally don't know of another missionary. There, there probably are other missionaries in Mongolia. Uh, but I thought, hey, maybe we, maybe we could reach another country where we haven't put anything in yet. Why would you want to do that? So we could reach the uttermost. Find another place where we had a good man who would be willing to give the gospel in my place or in your place and in the place of Emmanuel Baptist Bible Church because my feet aren't going to be there, but his are. And he's willing to go and he's willing to stay and he's willing to work. What are we trying to do? We're trying to figure out how, how can we go ahead and do what God asks us to do. In 40 days, we have five accounts of him saying that we need to go and we need to tell and we need to have the gospel put out there. Not just in our own personal witness, although we ought to have it. And not just in, you know, our church-wide outreaches and what we do here locally and in our community, but in an entire world. 
And his goal is to reach an entire world. So I don't know if we could do that. Me neither, but I, I think we ought to try. I think we ought to try. We ought to reach out in faith and say, Hey, God, I'd love to be able to see you reach somebody else because I could give something else. Say, that seems very impossible. Doesn't, it seem, doesn't this seem like an impossible task? I mean, look around. I mean, look at your two pastors. We're in trouble, <laughs> right? I mean, if, if we're, you know, let's be honest, we're humans. What greatness do we have that's really going to make a great difference in a world? We've got so much we can give. We've got so much time. We've got so much thing. We don't have enough. We don't have enough for the community, let alone for a world. You look around at each other and you look around the church and you go, what do we got? We have human beings. And if we're honest, we're really not that great. And a lot of times we don't do what we're supposed to do. Just day to day, we don't do what we're supposed to do. Right? We all sin. We all fail. We all fall short. Now, hopefully we're trying, right? The idea is we're trying to get the gospel out. We're trying to give out a gospel track. We're trying to talk to somebody. We're trying to be a witness. We're trying to tell what great things the Lord has done for us. We're trying to do it, but we don't, don't you have regrets? Where you go, boy, I wish I would have, and I didn't pull the trigger on that one, right? We all, so you know what the Lord's doing? He's working with broken people like he has always done. God loves working with broken people. He loves working with people that they recognize, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for the task you're about to give me. And the Lord says, perfect, you're great for the job. That's exactly what I need. I need somebody who knows they're not good enough for the job. Because notice what he tells them. Go back to Acts chapter 1. A couple pages here. Acts chapter 1. We have a worldwide witness that we're supposed to get. We're supposed to reach an entire world. And I don't know how much time we have to get it finished now. I would, I would love to say we've got, we've got about five more minutes, trumpet sounded, and we're done, all right? I would love to say that. I have no idea how much time we have, but I do know this. There's, gonna be, there's a time limit. The fullness of time came. Jesus Christ showed up. He gave his life a ransom for many. He paid the debt of all of mankind's sins. He arose from the grave. He gave the great commission to his disciples, told them, go ahead and win a world. I'm leaving. He leaves. And you know what he says? I'm coming back. And when he, come, when he sounds a trumpet, you and I go, that's over with. Our chance, our opportunity, that's it. It's done. How do I get that done? Verse number 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Uh, we need something. We need something to make it so that you and I can actually accomplish the task. He says this. Uh, he says that uh, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. You know what we need? We need the power of God Almighty with the Holy Ghost. We need a tremendous witness. We've got a terrestrial witness. Now we need a tremendous witness. You say, what is that? A powerful one. We can go ahead and get, get the best arguments compiled. We can go ahead and we can put all the greatest statements together and we can, we can go out there and we can go ahead and harp on the same phrases. 
But our phrasing is not going to do much if we don't have the Holy Ghost filling us up and giving us what we need so we can give it to somebody else. I think too often, you know what we do? The excellency becomes of us instead of of Him. We want to go ahead and get them with enticing words and get them with an argument. And if I win the argument, they must come to the Savior. And the truth is you can win every argument you want to and they still never come. Because until the Holy Ghost shows up and gives them some conviction and the Holy Ghost comes through you and goes ahead and gives you enough power and the wisdom and the understanding that you need to be able to say what you ought to say at the right time, what do we have? If the Holy Ghost doesn't guide and direct and go ahead and give it to you, you and I are in trouble. You realize in Matthew chapter 28, he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth, go ye. It's, the, it's God's power we're supposed to be working in. Too many times we work in our own power and our own wisdom and in our own thoughts and what can I do? When we look around and you know the truth is that uh, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is of the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And what is salvation? What's the power that God wants to use? He wants to use the word of God to get down into their heart so that they can understand they need a Savior. I've seen some great arguments. I've even made some great arguments. And you know what I've seen? I've seen them fail. Because it's not in the argument. Now you ought to be learned. You ought to study. You ought to read. You ought to, it doesn't discount all those things. You ought to try to have an answer for what they're going to ask you. That's all biblical. But oftentimes we go, well, I'm smart enough. I know enough, and whatever they're going to ask me, I got it all under control. You don't want that in your own life. You want the Holy Ghost to lead and guide you because you could give them the perfect answer in your own mind, and the Holy Ghost was telling you to give them something else, and if you'd have given them that, you'd have probably gotten them. I've been there. Oh, I know, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to say. I'm ready to go. The Lord says, no, you don't. Shut up. Don't say anything. Because <laughs> as soon as you start talking, you're going to mess the whole thing up. Just, just, just for a minute. Just settle. And what's he trying to do? He's trying to get us to see that it's his power and his might, his wisdom, his understanding. He knows what's going on in their life when I don't know what's going on in their life. He knows what will effectually work in their heart as opposed to what I know about their heart. I'm looking at the outside. He's looking at the inside going, wait a minute, I got something just for him that's going to cut in there. It's going to take care of that thing right there. And he's not going to be able to answer you with this. If you'd let me have wisdom. If you'd let me give you my wisdom and go ahead and give you some direction, we could go ahead and get it done. How do we reach an entire world? I have no idea because you can't do it by my might and my understanding and my wisdom. But the Lord's got enough wisdom to do it. He sees an entire world of 7 billion plus people, however many we got, and he says, I've got a plan to be able to tell them everything. That blows me away. Because <laughs> you realize his plan is us. Seven plus billion people, 
His plan to reach them is you and I. We're, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're in trouble if we think the excellency of that power is going to be of us. But it's not. He wants us to understand that He wants us strengthened with all might, according to Colossians chapter 1, by His eternal power. He wants us to have His might and His strength and His wisdom and His understanding and His working so that we can go ahead and He's reminding us constantly, what? To be filled with the Spirit. I think Christians do themselves a great disservice, myself included, because we don't take time to be sure we're full of the Holy Ghost. And we're missing things. We're not walking circumspectly. You look through the end of Ephesians where he tells us to be uh, to, to go ahead and how we're supposed to walk. And then he says in chapter 5, right, to be filled with the Spirit. And then you go down the rest of those. I think chapter 5 and chapter 6 has just about every earthly relationship you have. And it tells you how to, how to have all those earthly, right? The marriage is right there in chapter 5. Children, obeying your parents and how that works with the parents and how the fathers are supposed to dwell with them. And then you get down a little farther and it's servants and, and their masters and so on. All the way down, it tells them, you say, how do, I, how do I do all of that right? You don't do it right without the Holy Ghost. What makes you think you're going to be a great witness for Jesus Christ without the Holy Ghost? Tells us how we're supposed to do it. By the way, we're talking about it, praying over those faith promise missions cards. What am I going to give this year? Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to do what the Lord tells you to do. I don't know what he's asking you. You say, well, I don't know either. Well, then, figure out what he's asking you. Take time to figure it out. Lord, I understand. It's what I have. Pastor was talking about this morning. Out of what we have, not of what we don't have. And what can I do? And what do you want me to do? Because sometimes it's above what you think you can do. Now, sometimes it's not. Sometimes he says, yep, that's right, you got it. But other times he says, no, you can do a little more. Say, what's he going to ask me to do? I don't know. I'm not him. But how do you expect to reach a world if you can't go ahead and get the Holy Ghost to go ahead and give you the answer? He gives us the answer when we're personally witnessing. He also gives us the answer when we try to give, to give to other missionaries to be able to reach another world. Areas where you and I will never go. Look back here at the passage. i got to hurry up and finish. I don't want Pastor to feel rushed here at communion. I'm purposely working backwards through the chapter in case you're curious. Look all the way back up to verse number 4. Here in Acts chapter 1. You've got a terrestrial witness, a worldwide witness that you're supposed to get out. We get that through a tremendous witness of the Holy Ghost. Verse number 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith, uh, which saith he, Ye have heard of me, for John truly, truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He looks at them, and you know what he says? Uh, he says, hey, wait here. <laughs> You'll wait at Jerusalem for something. This is a timely witness. He tells them to wait until what? Until the Holy Ghost shows up for them. 
we know the thing that he was talking about, that thing that he promised that was going to come was the Holy Ghost. They're waiting for Jesus to be raptured, him to be resur- to go up and ascend, right? He's going to come up and he's going to ascend. And when he ascends, when he goes back to the Father, he's going to send the Comforter, John 17. Right? He's going to send the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And he's the one who's going to convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He's going to go ahead and be the comfort. He's going to be wisdom. He's going to be the guide. He's going to be all the things that we need. He's going to indwell us and take over and go ahead and help us through our day-to-day and be the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. He's going to be all those things to us. He'll guide us into all truth and go ahead and take care of that. You say, what is, what is God waiting? Why am I waiting? You're waiting to figure out what God wants you to do and how he wants you to do it. It's not one of those where, oh, well, I'm just going to wait, and you wait for 30 years. This is one of those where you're waiting just to hear what he has to say. You're waiting as in, I'm going to listen and wait, and when he tells me, I can go. When he tells me, I can give. When he tells me, I can witness. When he tells me, I can, when he tells me, I, when he tells me, and you're just waiting for him to say the word. That's all you're waiting for. You're waiting for it because you already understand there's a world that needs a Savior. There's a world that needs me to be a witness. There's a world that needs me to tell others. There's a world that needs me to give so that others can go. There's a world that needs me to pray so that others will be strengthened with all might. There's a world that understands they need a Savior. I understand that. You understand that. They need the Savior. I think the thing we forget is that we're the only means they have of getting Him. We're it. And if we don't have the Holy Ghost, and if we don't wait and listen to the times when He tells us to go and to give and to do and to pray, we will be in trouble. Because we will fail hard at this mission. And I don't know when the Lord tells you to go. But you ought to know when he tells you to go. You ought to know when he tells you to give. You ought to know when he tells you to. Because if your fellowship's good, then you'll know what he needs. I'm going to end with this. You've got David there at the cave, right? Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well at Bethlehem. Now those three men, you know what they were doing? They weren't doing much, were they? Not at that particular moment. So what were they doing? They were waiting on David to figure out what he wanted them to do. And they heard just a whisper in the cave. They were close enough to their king to hear what he just wanted. There was no need for an order. In fact, later you know he pours that out as a drink offering unto the Lord. But it was just what their king wanted. I can think of nothing more than what Jesus Christ would want than for you and I to be a great witness and a testimony for him and to do our best to see a world come to a Savior just to do our best. Say, are we going to get it perfect? Probably not. I'll just be honest, probably not. 
but boy, if we can stand in front of him and go, I did my best. I know I, I know I fell down a lot, but the Lord goes, yeah, but I remember you're, you're but dust. And I picked you up every time you came down. So that's fine. I took care of those little spots right there. I, I gloss over those. Haven't you ever read Hebrews chapter 11? I don't worry about those. I cover those up. I cover that part up. As long as you keep trying, I'll keep covering. Or says you just keep trying. To do what? To fulfill the last message the Savior gave to his disciples. A world needs a Savior. Next week, we're going to meet Sunday to Wednesday. And we're going to decide the fate of a world. At least by what we're going to do for them. What we're going to do to help them. In our worldwide mission effort. We understand the need. We understand sadly that we're the plan. And we can't do it without the Holy Ghost giving us power. And us just taking the opportunities it gives us. Next week you'll have an opportunity. I hope you don't miss it. Let's go ahead and stand. Father, I thank you for the night. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for being such a wonderful God. Lord, you go exceeding abundantly above anything we could ask or think. And Father, I pray you'd help us. Help us to have the power of God in our lives. Help us to trust you. Help us to follow your leading. And help us to take the opportunities we have to go ahead and do what you ask us to do. Father, I pray you would bless our church, bless our efforts. Father, feeble as they may seem to us, Lord, bless them with the power of a holy God who can do far beyond what we ever could in our own strength. And Lord, we pray you'd get the praise, the honor, and the glory this night in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.